Hi. I got a tape I want to play. Just what do you think you're doing, Dave? Your move, creep. Take me to the volcano! So why don't you make like a tree and get out of here? Come with me if you want to live. This town needs an enema. Like I said, I need a bacchiatomy. Yes, that's a human ear, all right. I got a bad feeling about this. So it's come to this. Finally. Finally, it's come to this. <laughs> it has come to this. It has come to this. It I'm has. Eric. I'm Charlie. It has come to Thief. Here we go. And this is a movie that brings such joy to both of our film goer hearts that this was in discussion for like, you know, our first episode. Oh, this has been on my mind. Yeah. Years <laughs> now, right? This is one that uh, we, we've been putting off, not really intentionally, uh, Maybe a little bit out of reverence, like God. How am I gonna justify well, being a uh, you know talking about this? How it, am I worthy? Intimidation on my yeah. part. I, I just uh, yeah. This is a big movie. It's a big movie for both of us. Uh, but what I was really holding out for was I wanted to see it on the big screen. <laughs> I've never seen this on the big screen, and there is no movie that I've wanted to see more on the screen than Thief. I've been dying to see a revival of this, and it was not happening. Yeah, Thief's not getting the uh, Michael Mann kind of how did it when Drive came out a decade does. ago? A decade ago, by yeah, the way. Really. Uh, how did Thief? I mean, it got the great Criterion upgrade, sure, and that's what we got to see. The Criterion release is so essential for this beautiful movie, this gorgeous movie, one of my favorite movies to look at. Captivating. Oh. Is the word, yeah, that uh, that I couldn't take my eyes off the screen. And the, yeah, we saw it on a big we screen. We saw it on the big screen recently on this Criterion Blu-ray, which was such an upgrade over my MGM DVD with the <laughs> worst sound that just all blurred and mudded up together. And the picture looked good. You can tell it was a great looking movie, but the sound was awful. And Thief is a movie with incredible sound, powerful cues, mm-hmm. and the visuals are uncomparable to anything else we recently had the opportunity to screen five movies for True. friends and well-wishers yeah in our day. own private cinema for a day it was so great it was like right everybody was all fully vaxxed up mm-hmm. had that shooting through Distanced. our veins uh-huh <laughs> excited to return to the movies a lot of people's first time back, and we got to write their little day of movies, and it was so cool. And Thief was our centerpiece, basically. Mm-hmm. I think in a five-movie day, that third movie is important. Watching five movies in a day is not easy. Not everyone can do it. <laughs> it uh, not it everyone was, has the tailbone strength. It was a fun day, but it was a long day. It was yes. a long day. Yeah. And it's a tight schedule, and you know, it's a 10-hour day of, of reclining. Which is weird. Tough stuff. It's I know. tough. And, uh, know but it takes a certain kind of durability, <laughs> whether mental or what, to want to do that. And we got some good ones. We got some good people out. And Thief was like, I think the third movie. That's the big was, powerhouse. Yeah. That can really set the tone for the rest of the evening. Days turning into night outside. The day's been long. You're, you've been there for That's five where it hours to get already. Long. Yeah, and, you're like, do I eat? What do I? Yeah, yeah. You're getting hungry. It's dinner time suddenly, <laughs> and you know you're still two more after this. 
it's the heavy hitter spot, and I don't think there was ever any doubt that Thief would be the, oh, the no. centerpiece. It cleared the bases. It, no, yeah. It, uh, yeah. This it was, was the a- one we were positive on, for sure. I would have fought mm-hmm. for Deadbeat at Dawn, but Thief, I think, was like the first movie we thought of for this day. I think so. Right? Yeah. Like if you I'm said, remembering it right. It's been at the top of your list to see on the big screen. Yeah. And yeah, like you said, for some reason, everyone is kind of... It seems like Michael Mann is like more popular now than ever. I feel like people like to talk about his older stuff, but yeah. no one really brings up Thief like they bring Man. up Manhunter or Miami Vice or yeah, they're all getting, Heat or I mean, they're all great. Michael Mann is oh, he's one of my absolute. I like the favorites. energy. I yeah. love Collateral. I think sure. Collateral should be Everyone, way bigger yeah. than it was. But I mean, these movies. I think with the Criterion release of Thief. Uh, it's become a he's become a popular mm-hmm. guy over the last decade. Manhunter's more appreciated now than than ever. And Thief I just is super appreciated. I've never met a person that doesn't think Thief right. is a good movie now. But this movie did get dumped on when it came out in 81. Mhm. And this did this not movie's 40 years old. 40 Jesus. years old, jeez. Well, yeah, this uh, is, head this of is its the, time, right? the coolest movie from the year I was born. Yeah, there you go. And but this movie did not it was a Blade Runner situation. Same kind of thing. Uh, appreciated by the devout at the time, but uh, also dumped on That's funny. by other popular critics. That opening, uh, man, I got I get strong Blade Runner vibes <laughs> from that from those opening right. shots of the rain and the big tall buildings. Yeah, panning down to the street, wet streets everywhere, all the time. The critics in eighty one and eighty two didn't want it. Synth music playing. Didn't want the synth score with rainy. Cities. It really was. They were they like, hated it. Crime movie with synth music. What is this? Yeah, this doesn't fit our criteria. Yeah, I mean, there's. It never hit me until seeing it on the big screen how how close the vibes are to Blade Runner for like the opening ten minutes. Big time. But you're even getting you get the great Vangelis score with Blade Runner. You're in Tangerine Dream score. That's what <laughs> I was in Thief. Didn't I? Wasn't I just saying how I always mix those two yes. names up? <laughs> I'm like, wait, without is Van- connecting Blade Runner Thief, you said you mixed up those guys. I was like, is Vangelis the guy? Or yeah, sometimes I think Tangerine Dream is, Vangelis is like a the guy. band and Tangerine. Yeah. <laughs> What's I can't keep it straight. I'm sorry. You know, we've talked about our our Krautrock movies <laughs> that really shape a villain. Such, I don't think it's coincidence that there's so many Krautrock scores to my favorite movies. Uh, obviously, Herzog mm. uses them a lot. He's German. So that makes yep. sense. That that makes sense, yeah. Makes sense for it to be in Durfan. But for Michael Mann to be like, I'm doing this gritty Chicago <laughs> crime drama. Yeah. Get me Tangerine, Get me tangerine dream. dream. Even that name sounds wrong for this movie, but it works. Like was Michael it works. Michael Mann have like rare Krautrock records? I think from the seventies and know? he's just like The thing you that can't I get Noi. Yeah. All right. Get Tangerine Dream. I think he just had instincts firing right now because uh, we see it in his casting. We see it in his cinematography choices. This guy is just, for this being, is this his debut feature? I don't know. But this is 81. This is before (laughs) Miami Vice. This is early. This got a Miami Vice. I want to say that this was made for like less than a million dollars kind of a thing. It was, but it's like. Just like with Blade Runner now and the first time I saw Blade Runner. I can't see what anybody would not love. <laughs> right. like, I don't know what they didn't see in this movie. I could read their uh, critical reviews, and I have in some of them, but I don't get it. 
mm-hmm. I don't understand what they're not seeing. Like all of their criticisms are just like, boy, I did not see that or get that at all. Like, <laughs> how did you Tuesday? Well, like, why are you complaining gets, about uh, these yeah, things? Tuesday Weld's performance gets got panned frequently in the negative reviews. Hmm. Don't get that. Don't understand Strange. it now. And so, uh, it's same with Blade Runner. How could you see that and go like, who is hating this? Obviously, there were people that loved it when it came out. There was a lot of people who didn't. I, you know, that all famously changed their opinions. Well, especially with Blade Runner, it's Ebert. like if, even if you're not into cyberpunk or whatever the vibe is going for, you have to admit it's well done, <laughs> pretty amazingly. Yeah, it's quite an achievement, <laughs> if, right? Even if you're, yeah, even if you're not in the mood for a, a thief, a crime drama, mob kind of movie, yeah. Man. You have to look at it and you have to just see go, that this wow, is look what we can do on... Expertly put look together. Look what we can do on the screen now. The the look of Thief, the gorgeous color, like, that's why it was... We got to see the killing of a Chinese bookie on the big screen. Mm. And that was one of my big bucket list, big screen movies. But that and Thief were probably my one-two. I'm not sure the order, but I just knocked... You know, check those off the list. Movies that revival houses don't show regularly. You're like, now what do I have to look now forward to? Now what do to? I... <laughs> like, what's next? Yeah, look, yeah I don't know. Knows? And let me just tell you, right? I was so excited when the lights got dark and that old silver 1981 UA logo oh, comes sure. on the screen. Right when we're just getting these first little, like, swells of Tangerine Dream. We're just like, this is it. Like, this is perfect. <laughs> It was probably stopped making sense before that. But that, that mm-hmm. I get to see in the theater. It's great. I've seen it multiple times now. Mm-hmm. And this had that same vibe. Hearing those songs and seeing these scenes. That opening uh, heist. Great Let opening. Me... First 10 minutes, there's only the only lines of dialogue are like, we clear? Clear here? Yeah, come on. Yeah, you get the That's driver you outside get. waiting. You it's get all visual, though. Uh, James Caan and Jim Belushi. Ugh. What Jimmy could have been? What a cool guy still. A guy who's always been more chill than people gave him credit for. Just because his uh, output isn't like a cool output to be into. Well, his early output was all great. But yeah, there was this five-year stretch where we got the taste of Jim Belushi character actor. I want to say this was his, and it was maybe cool. his debut as well. Yeah, well, he was, as you can tell by his youthful presence, uh, 27 years old. You could tell just by how young he looks in the movie. Oh or he my looks God. like a, a 42-year-old Chicago man. I know that this comes up, especially when we watch older <laughs> movies, but yeah, James Caan is supposed to be like 35 in this movie. He's 40. And he's 40 in real life. But he looks like 50. People just lived lives yeah. back then. Yeah. Belushi I mean, looking... Belushi is looking 26, 27. Just, old for 27. Oh, oh, man. And I'm not saying we're spring chickens over here, but... <laughs> It's just uh, striking. I mean, Willie what, Nelson what is in this movie and looks about 75. Oh, and I'm Nelson. watching it. I'm going like, this movie was 40 years ago. I don't think Willie's 115. Oh, Willie that, Nelson's 47 in this movie. 48. long hair, gray beard already. But the casting of this, the look of this, if you give me the Mike, a Michael Mann movie with a lot of nighttime, especially a wet, rainy night. Oh. oh. Let me just, tell you how just, happy I'm going to be. It just like doubles your visual pleasure to have those wet streets and have <sighs> everything incredible. reflect off of it. Everything's neon. The streetlights have this kind of weird blue tint. Everything's got this great color effect well, to it. What I love is, you know, Amazing. you and I were talking about it 
in terms of a Scorsese movie. Same way people say, you know, we'll say Galaxy Quest is their favorite Star Trek movie. Okay, sure. You know, Thief could be <laughs> your favorite Scorsese movie. Right. Because you look at some of these same rainy night streets that Travis Bickle was driving, tax driver. That's just five years earlier. Look mm-hmm. at how much, look at how different things look five years later. Like Michael Mann doing this kind of taxi driver shots. Well, except this... with this glitzy neon and this, yeah. these gorgeous blue reflections. That It's like a blue tint. It's a good use of that. Not like the early 2000s, everything's blue. Yeah, when you tint. see James Conn's like, parking uh, you know, car lot yeah. in, the, uh, in the night with the string lights over, it's like, it makes you just think of yeah. It's like I've never seen anything it, look this pretty. Yeah, <laughs> you it's know? just like how does it look that good? Yeah, I don't how, get how it looks. How does that this good. parking lot look this good? Did they they must have just waxed those cars to hell because yeah. those things are just like mirrors. I mean, you're getting just this gorgeous this light off neon of upgrade with you know from like a '40s noir movie where the mm-hmm. streets are always wet, or you know, post-war Vienna, you know, in these gorgeous you know, in the Third Man and just. You know these gorgeous wet streets, and it's the same thing. But like so wet. But like oh, the wettest. <laughs> if, the, if we aren't watching movies damp. with super wet, damp people, puddles gonna, everywhere, we are gonna find just some street wetness. Uh, and like uh, that, that kind of like like where the rains on the windshield, kind of uh-huh. doppling the windshield everywhere. Everything just feels yeah, kind of moldy, reflective and soft. Oh. I love it. So I love it. Uh, before and, we get into the details, uh, yeah. because we're we, we're going to spoil this, I just want to let people know it is on the HBO Max right now. Oh, good. And uh, I revisited it, yeah, today. And yeah, it's, should, a, if you it's a movie seen I've it, seen half a dozen or more. If times. you haven't seen it, you should check it out because we're going to spoil it. But. Boy, HBO Max is they got that's where Killing of a Chinese Bookie is oh. too. So they're really hitting all our. I think they have a connection with Criterion actually. Yeah, that makes sense. That might be on there or yeah. something. Yeah, but yeah, our tastes are really hewing right now and yeah this movie is just drenched in uh, thing with michael mann why he's probably i mean in the in the argument for my favorite non john carpenter director (laughs) michael mann has got a legitimate case he's up there i love what he puts on a screen and it's incredible i watched uh, most of miami vice i dropped out of it when he dropped out of it but that's four seasons (laughs) of it and it was such a cool show that felt so present in where it took place. You know, it didn't, they can set a show anywhere now and it can be any other city. It's mm-hmm. cheaper to film in. You know, that's not as important as it was. But Miami Vice really put this kid from Healdsburg, California in Miami. <laughs> in, uh, oh, you know. You're talking about yourself. Yes. Okay, good. I and was like, seeing this I was is like, just are like. Are you about to drop that Michael Mann is from Healdsburg, California? No. No. no, no, no. <laughs> no. He hates our town, and but just seeing how this, how he makes this city look that I've never been to before, I don't know what it looks like. And now seeing Chicago and how he can just show you that you know, one director, Woody Allen, somebody like that can just focus on one place mm-hmm. the whole time. And I love these different looks and different cities and different uh, eras that man is able to convey, and it's incredible. I know he's used. He's like known for his L.A. stuff, obviously, like with Heat, yeah, Collateral. I think is in L.A., mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. But yeah, seeing this here, <laughs> Chicago, man, this is Chicago's its own never looked world. better. This is just yeah. 
a magical way to represent a city. Seeing everything, again, reflecting off the river and just the way he sets the skyline in the background of his shots. It's incredible. You're just like... And I'm sure you could make a Chicago wow. movie and make it look, you know, you could make it uh, Candyman. Mm-hmm. You know, of like, course, right? Yeah. You can uh, the Dark Knight. All those movies easily were set in shoot. Chicago, yeah, or you could filmed in easily Chicago. shoot your own Deadbeat at Dawn. Mm-hmm. Somewhere in Chicago, you didn't have to make it look like this. This is a really <laughs> romantic look at a grimy part of the city, right? It could, because he, yeah, he owns uh, an auto lot. He owns a, a bar. He's a thief, but yeah. he's funneled his money into a few businesses. But yeah, the look of everything here is these. Uh, well, first of all, James Con. James Con is a all time cool look. In Never this been. Movie. I, I I think this is the best look yeah. for me. He's the so tight cool. pants, the <laughs> leather jackets, the tight boot cuts, the the, the cool leather jackets the, and crew neck sweatshirts. The at its perfect, just kind Great of bounciness. Hair. Great hair. We Great get to see the hairy hair. chest a whole bunch. Hairy which chest, is... shoulders, upper arms, and back. Everything. <laughs> Guy had a nice little sweater going on, and he's wearing he's wearing one hundred fifty dollars slacks, oh, eight hundred dollars suits. Gets a gr- he looks great. Oh, oh man, he gets then, so many great. Yeah, he and then he's is perfect this in character. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he's such a great actor and such a obviously cool guy. <laughs> no coincidence that so many people from this movie, man, are, are cool real life people. And Khan's just a laid back, cool old guy now. And you bought into his inner turmoil, though, when he brought it out. This man, no matter how relaxed he is now, he sells hate and sells that chip on his shoulder. Yeah. Like few people. That guy, it's the same thing in a Chinese bookie, projecting himself bigger. Cosmo had big aspirations, mm-hmm. and he was his own boss. But I don't know if Ben Gazzara comes off as cool. I think Ben Gazzara is cool <laughs> as hell, man. But I know, like, James Caan at the time is, like, known as a cool guy. Yeah, and He's he in the Godfather, is cool in And in this, a bunch of know? great movies in the 70s. But he is such a good actor. Like... The presence for, he can bring. Yeah. He's a small guy. He's a bit bigger in this movie. With <laughs> I'll let you tell him boots. that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, you know, he plays a guy who's lived it rough and done a lot of time. He's mm-hmm. a con. Yeah. And he's, uh, he's, he's he taken was in jail beatings. for like a decade. And he w- walks like a guy who got his knee wrecked in a, in a fight. Oh. Or, you know, he walks with this stiff, rigid. And then he walks. There's this beautiful scene after they do the job in the beginning. James Con. Jim Belushi is his, like, wire man, his alarms guy. Mm-hmm. And another guy with a great chin is the driver. We don't see yeah. him a lot. He comes no. back for a later important job, but he disappears for, like, an hour. Right, he's a mystery. And you get those kind of great background guys that you see mm-hmm. in multiple scenes in this movie with these great meaty Chicago faces. Or the <laughs> na- or Pennsylvania, or, you know, right, right. that vibe. Uh, but these these faces on all these guys and the looks on all these mugs. And there's this great scene where after the job's done, I love as much as a heist. I love the drive away from a heist. Sure. In a heist movie. I love heist movies. I love all the parts that you get all the part of a heist movie. I love it. It, All comes together. Heist movie is the easiest thing for get to just get me to clap and be (laughs) into just show me a decent job. Yeah. Show, show it to me. Uh, is something going to go wrong? Is everything going to go right? I don't know. I don't care. I love them. But when they're done this artfully and this beautifully, they're, it's like the peak cinema for me. 
And yeah, I love this scene. They're driving and, you know, all the like looks multiple ways at traffic lights and when to go. Oh, I mm-hmm. love every second of it. And they park these cars in this garage like they're at the end of a GTA mission. And they're walking out and Belushi's got this great like leather kind of jacket zipped up that's too tight for his kind of pudgy body. Right. And he's wearing like black tough skins jeans. <laughs> like he's a chubby 13 year old, but he's looks like a 42 year old. Splits the difference at 27. There you go, yeah. And Khan and Belushi walk out of this garage after parking their cars together. I was like, Khan and Belushi are the same size? And I'm looking at Khan's hobbled leg, and I'm like, oh, it's the it's the large lift boots <laughs> that he's clearly wearing. He's got a little bit of a Frankenstein stroll There's going a bit of a Frankenstein, whereas Cosmo had no problem being a 5'8 guy. Exactly. That's what makes me think he's more comfortable and cool. That makes sense. Khan projects differently. He projects tougher, even though he's a guy who has been through hell. Well, he so makes he, the walk work yeah. for the character. He's got a... He, yeah, every mannerism, though, really, he, he matches that kind of stiff, awkward walk with... The uh, clipped kind of attitude. He's very short with people. Yeah, he doesn't take any bullshit. But uh, yeah, every choice he makes to to really enunciate words to yeah. people, the, to to kind of slam so- something down <laughs> verbally, not you know, not even physically, but just the way he emphasizes and there's like an anger inside that, and uh, that really it, just keeps coming across. through, and it keeps it gr- more grounded and from coming turning into more of a Pacino. Right. crazed thing you know this guy has a, a legitimate gripe a legitimate chip and he's good at bad things and it's a cool edge to carry and he carries it mm-hmm. i think khan sometimes doesn't get enough credit because he's too good and people think this is him it's just natural yeah yeah he's so natural they think this is the guy and so he maybe gets less credit for like you can't be this guy i don't think this guy could survive till his till he's 80 I don't think it's possible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, he's an actor. Yeah, he's an actor, and he's you great, know. and he's just... But this whole movie, it it matches the Chicago flavor so well. All the actors, every choice they make. I get character actors that would go on to the biggest things, but you get some guys that are real faces. Like mm-hmm. the opening diamond fence. After we park yes. the cars, and the next day at the diner when Khan goes to meet this fence... Who is this guy? This immediately, like, you don't see these guys outside of a certain part of the country. This guy playing uh, gags. Gags, Joe Gags. A a diamond fence. Just a fat refrigerator of a man. (laughs) Like an old guy with his pants hiked up over his belly. Mm -hmm. The biggest, ugliest square glasses. The baldest egg-shaped head with the horseshoe haircut. Just an ugly guy with an amazing face that needed to be in the movies. He has three acting three credits. acting credits. I looked at that. I didn't know no picture on IMDb. I know, but a look. You got to see this guy. A look like <laughs> no other. This guy should have been a character actor superstar mm-hmm. throughout the next fifteen years. Agreed. Just doing this kind of guy, you could see him. Oh, put him behind a diner counter. There mm-hmm. you go. There's so many roles for this guy, and you just wonder. How? How does this guy not get it? That's but Michael Mann finds He's these got guys. Those that are, instincts. Michael Mann just has this instinct to find these unknowns, but also his perfect placement of knowns. We get Willie Nelson as James Conn's father figure. Yes. Who's doing time? Who's in jail? And who, dying in jail. Yeah. <laughs> See, that's. 
lot of lot of talk about uh, gay sex in jail in this movie. <laughs> I gotta say, it's pretty horrifying. Yeah, it's uh, this is one of those movies where they were like, "Oh, by the way, it does not shy away from what these people went through." Jail sucks, but yeah, we don't like it. And yeah. I think the it's the, some of the casting of this movie is so important because these people are people that keep saying they're out of time, mm-hmm. but none of these people are exceptionally old. This movie is a really tough look in the mirror. There's a lot of look. I've put up with enough. I'm out of time. I need something. And I need out. And then you look at the main characters, real ages, and Khan's like 40. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Jim Belushi's 27. <laughs> Willie Nelson's 48, and they're acting like he's an 80 year old dying. I don't want to die in jail. You got to get me out of here. Right. And you're like, not oh man, 50. it's like he's he's not 50 yet. That's me in nine years. I am yeah. closer to being <laughs> Willie Nelson's age than I am to being the age of a 30 year old person. <laughs> right. I'm closer to Willie Nelson at thief, and he's like, I don't want to die in here. And he's he's due to be out in 10 months. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know. He's <laughs> like, not even gonna make that. He's not making he's 49. Dying. Except he looks like he's like 75. But well, when Khan explains that he's been in jail for like. 10 years and he's only supposed to be like 35 you're like oh yeah. he's like so he spent his whole young he's adulthood some pretty formative years in jail yeah so we I, eventually found out it's that'll 20 lead to 31 and yeah but all the people in this movie man is able to get these old veterans willie nelson was not known for acting in 1981 i thought this was, yeah that was the most surprising casting to me it's like <laughs> you have willie nelson and you're like he's gonna be the uh we just see him behind bars and then on his <laughs> deathbed. Those are the two scenes we get. But, well, he he had like a, a big kind of screen debut feature the year before uh, with Honeysuckle Rose. where he. But that was more of an Eminem. This would be like if Eminem did 8 Mile. Mm-hmm. And then in 2003, he was like just, <laughs> just like a guy in jail for two scenes of, a, of you know, an episode of Oz. Oh. Yeah. Could have happened, but it didn't. So Willie Nelson is that guy where he, uh, you know, he got an Oscar nomination not for his acting in that movie, but on the road again, one of his maybe most famous song. Mm-hmm. And he showed, you know, he played a country star who was on the road. That's what I would expect. That's to what you see expect Willie when Nelson you go to a Willie Nelson in a movie, movie yes. or yeah. uh, show up in a Muppet-related project, perhaps sure. as Willie Nelson. Was but, he? No, he wasn't in Coal Miner's Daughter. No, but yeah, but something that like kind that. Of stuff. Yeah. And, you know, he did a couple westerns, that mm-hmm. kind of thing. But until this point, he'd only done this one country movie that was kind of a biopic. Now, to cast him as a, a con, a lifer, who doesn't want it, you know, who has repented. Mm-hmm. You know, he knows it's over. He just wants a little bit of freedom again. Who would have thought that? So man <laughs> is able to bring yeah. in these old vets and new vets. Robert Prosky. Apparently, I think you told me earlier it was his first feature. I think this so. This guy's one of those guys that started acting at in his late forties. Yeah, I looked him up and I expected to see like credits. You know, I'm assuming dozens and dozens I'm assuming of he did credits. Stage work before that must have been what like, it was. Nobody I, just gets the acting bug at fifty, right? So yeah, I bet it was the stage. But he did some TV movies, TV series. But yeah, this is the first feature to, film. To cast this guy who's nearing pushing fifty, arguably looks older, has never acted in a feature before, and make him your centerpiece gangster boss villain. Yeah, he's the big baddie. 
all the chances that seem... And he's great. Nothing really seems like a chance until you think about them because everything is so perfect mm-hmm. in its casting and execution and, and everything. Well, and then we also know Robert Prosky from the 50 things he did after this. Yeah. I, so it's like, of course Robert Prosky would be in this. He's great. Yeah, he's awesome. <laughs> At the time... He'd been in like some TV movies, yeah. Yeah, the guy the from big. Broadcast News, of course. This guy's sure. great, you know. <laughs> the guy from Last Action Hero, yes. Yeah, exactly. He's uh, love him. You know, he he's Santa. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, totally. Uh huh. Totally. And uh, he's bad Santa. He's this one. never been anything <laughs> like this that I knew of. And but how did Michael Mann know? Mm-hmm. How did he know all this? I was so fascinated with uh, the cinematography in this movie. And so I looked up the cinematographer thinking, obviously, this guy, these were a partnership. These guys had to have a thing. This mm-hmm. vision is too uh, perfect, right? A great team. But you look at the guy, and he's a cinematographer on things that I really loved, like Officer and a Gentleman or Purple Rain. Okay. But there's none of that where you you look at a whole career like a Dean Kundi and think like oh yeah this guy is my vibe. Mm-hmm. From there on it's all just normal movies which right. we've talked before. The more behind the scenes you are, the the more you're just getting gigs. And so that's how you go from doing something cool like Thief as your first credited role as a director of photography. But then you're doing like The Golden Child and Tango and Cash <laughs> and yeah. you know well, he's a fir- Undercover yeah. Blues. You're working. You're a working cinematographer. You get the gigs you get, but uh, but Michael this Mann cast him as vibe. in his first gig as yeah. the as a director of a photography on a feature. How how did he know that this guy would make his vision sing like this? Mm. It's incredible achievement. Well, it makes you wonder if I mean, man needed just the hired hand to. Yeah, know, if he knew and he just needed a body. I want to say director what? of photography is different than cinematographer. No, Cooney said it's the same. Okay. It's like <laughs> dentist can be a DDS or a DMD. Right. Just preference. But it, yeah, I get the sense that Michael Mann is the one who's giving it this. this I mean, he's look. able to recreate iconic looks for, you know, uh, eight, nine different movies right. after this. So it's pretty clear he can execute his he's vision got a style. with anyone. Yeah. He knows what he wants up there. And that was never more clear to me than seeing it on the screen. Seeing it all up there, just staring dumb-faced at it for two mm-hmm. hours. Love I love it minute. so much. And for me, this movie really breaks open like a half hour in when we get an incredible scene with James Caan and Tuesday Well. One of the reasons I wanted to see this movie We've talked about the sound. I needed to hear the Tangerine Dream score mm-hmm. in a huge theater. The volume cranked. And I just wanted to see how pretty Tuesday Weld looked <laughs> on a big screen. I've never really gotten to see her in her, you know, her acting prime and her power that she had as an actress. This character is really her. You know, we covered her in the Falling Down episode. Mm-hmm. Which I think is just an unfortunate role from a wom- for a woman who was really not acting much at that point. It had mostly retired. It's not a very good it's role. It's the least though. productive part of the movie. And it's like, you couldn't have done something better for this legend. She's this kind of forgotten legend, a forgotten star who is quiet. And her work on the screen really moves me. 
but it's that kind of career that has the unfortunate, like, the role that she got an Oscar nomination for, Looking for Mr. Goodbar. That movie's been out of circulation for 40 years. Mm. There's no DVD. There's no Blu-ray. There's like a CED disc of it. Ooh. It's a rare movie, and so it's, you know, her, some of her most acclaimed work is kind of buried. But this story and this character is really close to her real story. She was a child model hmm. and actress, uh, a child actor, whose father died when she was really young, so she was the one, like, earning money for the family with her. She was very beautiful, obviously. And she was in 50s teeny bop movies. There's one I've seen called Rock, 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 <laughs> where it's like one of those, like, 14-year-old girls who wants a rock band to come to their town movies. That's the stuff she was doing from her teens. And she burnt out on acting. (laughs) So in this movie, she's 38. She didn't have a long career after this. She mostly just retired. Because, you know, made good money, had a good career. Didn't need this. She got that thief money now. She got that thief money, right? She (laughs) made that (laughs) $35,000 check, probably. And, uh, but this is her story. Like, she's a person, she's 38 in this movie. She's gorgeous. But... She plays this, you know, tired waitress that she just wants something different. She's happy with her life, but she's had a tough life. And she's a former criminal. Yeah, as she's well. involved in a different side of crime. And I, I, I one, yeah, James Conn's character, uh, yeah, picks her up kind of yeah, at the this, diner. Yeah, our scene starts. It's a long scene. It's probably and, twelve uh, minutes with them. They start with a fight because he's late picking her up for their date, and then he basically goes into this like. What do you think I do for a living? I'm a thief. He t- he spills his guts immediately to her. And then yeah. he's like, so let's get on with this big romance. Yeah. So where's this relationship going? And up till this point, we've seen her just, you know, he goes to this same coffee shop every day and she's yeah, a yeah. waitress there. And they have this cute flirty thing. But we don't know that it's a deep relationship or anything. We know that I think he they're... flirts with her at the coffee shop and that's about, you know, they've gone on a date or two. That's kind of what makes me... F- think these people are older than they are because yeah, everybody that's some, seems older than they are that's something movie. like 50 to or 60 year old people do where they're just like we don't have a lot of time let's let's just gi- dive into this will you be my husband the wife strong situation. vibe of thief bunch of 30 year olds doing this it's no, like guys the, the heavy vibe of thief and what makes this kind of getting apart like a first. tough uh burden movie is it is about prematurely aged people like it yeah. is about those people uh, in subconscious ways and active ways. These people look older. These people act older. They feel older. Their memories have made them older. What they've done to get where they are, whether high up as a crime lord or working anonymously as a coffee shop waitress, mm-hmm. they they got scars. I don't know. <laughs> they got literal <laughs> yeah. and uh, figurative scars. James Conn's got a great scar. On his face. I know he's got some nicks in the got, eyebrows too. Got some too. great, yeah. Got a great kind of beat up face. He's always just kind of wincing a little bit. Yeah, I think it's one of these situations where it's this incredible performance that some recognize as incredible, but enough didn't because they just thought, yeah, he's doing con. It's the same kind of thing that Mickey Rourke got for The Wrestler. Like, right. he's not that fucked up. <laughs> like, they fucked up his face a bit more for the movie, guys. Like, he's not that that meaty. Right, he didn't show up like that. Yeah. <laughs> like, I know he's rough right now, but he's not this. He's not the wrestler bad. And so I think a lot of people just kind of pass off. It's like, oh, it's Mickey Rourke in a wig. You know, no, it's... This is a lived-in James Con. Mm-hmm. It's not like this guy was prematurely aged in real life. 
you know, this is the guy at the Playboy Mansion until he was 75. Right. So. <laughs> but yeah, the, the, yeah, the scene where they go to the diner to have their kind of date you know, he and. Had, he comes off like a real, like, you know, he picks her up. He's two hours late. He, uh-huh. he punches a guy in the street. Uh, he <laughs> seems like the most abusive dude possible. Flashes his gun to a young uh, William Peterson. <laughs> oh, yeah, Peterson. He, five years away from being master profiler. Yeah. Peterson really could have became uh, Michael Mann's Bill Paxton. Sure. <laughs> Peterson, seeing how that guy broke out like a decade after, you know, on his career before making, you know, a million an episode for CSI. Mm-hmm. He easily no, yeah. could have been like this bartender kind of chump that shows up in these kind of movies. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, so he's like dragging her by the arm in a way that... Only a dude who hits a woman drags a woman by the arm. <laughs> or just, it, it seems like they've already been married for 10 years and they're done with yeah. each other's bullshit. And this is supposed to be, yeah, the first date, the kind of get to know. Yeah. I think it's the get to know you. In sure James Conn's mind, it's the, uh, so uh, I'm just asking you to be my wife. This is the real fork in the wow. road scene for Conn. And Tuesday Weld is repeatedly surprised by how far he is taking Wouldn't you things. be? Yeah. Tuesday Weld has got... First, <laughs> there's, a, there's a great moment where he's like, I'm a thief! ba 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 uh, Let's get on with the romance. <laughs> when he says, let's he get on with the big romance, she goes, what? What? <laughs> what? She responded the in a way... What are you talking about? That, it, that like an actor responds to to a line they Felt didn't expect. Very, just very real conversation. Like as if she... There's a... I mean, something like that is too beautifully... I hate to take away credit for a screenwriter, you know? It's yeah, like yeah. we always bring up a uh, Lebowski where Jeff Bridges said that everything he did was on the page. It's so easy to just give Jeff Bridges full credit. Mm-hmm. But uh, all this stuff with Khan, it could so easily, God, it could be like the a most goofy, hilarious Al Pacino scene doing the, I got the $800 suits yeah, yeah, and yeah. the 150 like, oh, I it could be ch- bad. I changed cars like other guys changed their shoes. Yeah, like, oh, my God. But he's just so. But Khan is like, he, he, I buy it. Yeah, I buy that. It, uh-huh. it is real, man. He's in his caddy, and and he's and he's telling her who he is, and she doesn't care right off the bat, and he doesn't care that she doesn't care. <laughs> he's calling each other asshole. Yeah, and... it's like the it's one of those guys. He's doing yeah. that guy where you have like a thing that you need to say, but the person is more like agreeable than you expected. But you're like, well, I'm gonna finish anyway. Mm-hmm. I had planned to talk about how much more my stuff costs. His description of his ring is the most, like, that's that same kind of thing with Cosmo, where he occasionally dips into that, like, tiny dick energy. Yeah, he's got ego. Where you're, like, overcompensating too much, like, you're showing too much Mm -hmm. of your hand here. Yeah, he's not being modest when he's, like, laying out what he can do for her as far as taking care of her. Yeah, he is presenting her a a way out of what he views as a dead-end life. And right. she is not expecting this date to have gotten. And he's like insulting. There. He's like, he's like, you are scared. You are waiting for a bus that you hope never comes because you don't want to get on it anyway. I'm, Sorry, I'm also going to say con. we've been bad really con. impressiony this episode, and it's just going to. It's I'm, hard not to when he's just. The there's way so he many talks. good voices in this movie. Yeah. Everybody's everybody has a great voice, and Sorry. you're just going to have to deal with it. Mm-hmm. It's hard to not get into a voices thing when I watch something with this much color. Especially his Chicago voice. Yeah. When you get Belushi doing full Chicago Ackroyd. But this scene, 
It's like a long scene for two actors to just have one-on-one. Mm-hmm. A better diner scene than the Heat diner scene that is so famous. Yeah, that's De Niro and I think, Pacino. But... I think Michael Mann recycles a lot in Heat <laughs> from this movie. You know what? A lot. He has good ideas. Yeah. And I'm cool with seeing him with different people. No. With, but... I, I totally feel like this movie is, uh, yeah, could be like a precursor. Like if you did a Michael Mann trilogy, it's like Thief, Heat, Collateral, I guess. Collateral is a perfect third for that. Yeah. It's the 80s, 90s, 2000s. But uh, yeah, there's... But that's what you do. Yeah, if you did a, a double feature, it'd be Thief. And then well, heat. I've I've read that this is James Caan's favorite scene he ever oh, did. Oh, I mean, how could it not be? And it's great. And you said that thing about this the screenwriter. Yeah. I think this dialogue at the end of this diner scene kind of falls apart on the page. And it's because of the acting that you're still See, hang- that's he the kinda, illusion he, though. He starts man. repeating himself. She's it's like I'm it's, not convinced if I'm her. <laughs> it's hard to be real. So, it's hard to write real. Yeah, but and the way so they you, do it, uh it works, yeah. I love that blur of you not of, and that's that's one of the charms of killing of a Chinese bookie. For all we know, that was meticulously rehearsed. Mm-hmm. But so much of the movie feels loose. It so much feels just like people busting up mid lines in certain ways. Like how much of Mister uh, Fascination is th- these frustrated pauses and hiccups mm-hmm. that interrupt his act? How much that guy is so realistically annoyed. At everything going on around him, I don't know what was on the page. Right, I love that blur. That, this this that movie realism. doesn't. To me, this movie is less the that kind of conversational. But everyone is very precise and direct in what they're saying. Yeah, and it does but not it doesn't. Get, it doesn't feel like a, a written line of dialogue. No, it feels loose, and it feels like these real interactions. It's just the way that James Conn reacts to people, like when Leo is like, "Where are you going?" He's like, "Where am I going? Where am I going? Yeah, this- where am I going?" <laughs> It's so. It's just like. But our our, uh, our scene with with Khan and Tuesday Weld at this yeah. gorgeous the Green Mill Cocktail Lounge and overlook. It's like over an overpass. You get ca- traffic going out underneath it. And you got this beautiful window seat, and it's 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 the scene for me. I can mm. see why it's James Khan's favorite, but it starts so fractious. Between these two, when That's he's dragging they, her out of this fighting. club, they're yelling yeah. each other. She has no idea why she's even in the car with this guy. He's coming off like a complete psychopath. Drags her into this late night diner, gets some coffee, and then just the way it unfolds for ten minutes. Mm-hmm. It's it's some of the most enveloping ten minutes on a film for me. I'm just sunk looking at these two and yeah. how their faces. Well, you get everything you need to know about them. Khan gives his kind they of backstory. Are, but it's more than just their history. It's why they are the way they are. Like yeah. Khan gives you this whole the thing amount about they unload in this conversation. Yeah, these things that, for all we know, they haven't said to anyone. You see, they they unload their scars right there. It sounds like she was trafficked, like as as best as uh, her description is. Right, she had a husband or or boyfriend that basically started. Uh, yeah, moved around a lot. Drugs had, with had her. no social security. And then he died. Uh, card that kind of lifestyle and that's more than you expect from your local coffee shop waitress but Khan senses this somehow he knew he knew yeah he had convict gaydar yeah and when Khan starts his story it oof in jail at 20 for stealing 40 dollars and a guy who sticks up for himself in jail that keeps getting more time added on for not because uh, he killed some guys because he killed some guys <laughs> you know but the way he does it, yeah he's like i had a had a 
trouble with these two guys. So I did a couple years for manslaughter. <laughs> just like, oh, yeah, the way I, he just kind of lays it out. There's a there was a recent documentary on a pro wrestler on the show called Dark Side of the Ring. Mm. And this guy, uh, Nick Gage, that did time in jail for five, four years uh, this decade for robbing a bank. Got out of jail. He's a wrestler now. I've seen him live a couple times. Sure. And he's got that realness that connects with this crowd. He's one of the biggest indie draws around the last year, two, three years. Hmm. And he's got that realness. I'm not saying cons have a realness to them, but you go through things, you know, and he's talking about his first day in jail after robbing this bank where they didn't assign him a bed. They just said, find a bed. Hmm. That happens. That happened in 2014. Find right. a bed. That sounds, you know, like something you'd hear 80 years ago. Well, that's that's the throwing you to regulated. the wolves. Yeah. Just throwing you to the wolves. And when James Caan is revealing just what he went through and how he's killed guys and justifies it rightly in a lot of these ways. It was kill or be killed. He survived. And, you know, beaten, raped, and, you know... And he doesn't really have to say it specifically, though. No, he the way it's like he said, the script is good some, in this you know, way. They did some things. It lets and... the human mind go there without having to say it out loud. But yeah, he's like, yeah, they bunch of guys jumped on me, did a bunch of things. That's all. That's all you need to know. There's this great moment of levity as Khan is talking about what he's been through, the toughest decade, the toughest twenty through thirty <laughs> yeah, right. that, that most people will ever know. That all started with $40 and ended with him realizing that you have to make nothing in your life matter. That You don't have to care about anything. Mm-hmm. That's how you survive. And that's who the person he is. That's scary. That's his proposal. That's his proposal. <laughs> this guy. And there's this moment of her where she is connecting him just through, with him, through their trauma. And her performance, again, from the bad reviews at the time that I've gone through... It's her that gets singled out a lot, hmm. which it's always easy for, to dump on the woman character when you're like you keep saying, look at this thing that's being proposed to her. How is she supposed to react to this? I think she reacts incredibly humanly to everything that Khan's saying. I think it's an incredible performance. Well, yeah, the way you watch her and the way you believe that she's staying there instead of running out of that diner. Yeah, you know, and why, right? and, and and what but would make her stay there? It's like while he's telling her these, a lot to put on two people. Yeah, this is a this, this is a lot to unload, and he's telling these very serious, bleak, dark things. And there's this cut to her where she has like a tear kind of rolling down, but she also kind of does this sympathetic laugh hmm. at him because he's kind of being not he's not being funny about. Oh it. yeah, he says uh, the one guy dies. The warden dies that he hit with like a pipe. And he's like, and that is a great loss to the earth. Or so yeah, yeah he kind of makes a little She's connected. She's, yeah. yeah she, she she I do remember that moment. Yeah. I thought it was so good. And it's bold to put like a a joke even, even though it's not really a joke, mm-hmm. but it's bold to get a laugh reaction or something like that. And it's this moment of connection where she's really they're bonding over this this awful thing and their awful, you know, twenties that they've tried to erase. Mm-hmm. It's such a beautiful scene. This was the scene I wanted <laughs> to see on the big screen. I needed to see this and I just wanted to see her. I love her in this movie. 
She's such she's had such a cool career. I'd love to do more. We we've talked about doing Who'll Stop the Rain with her, Nick Nolte, and the the Nick Nolte Michael Moriarty Tuesday Weld love triangle. That's a didn't know this, you needed it. Yeah, until this, you heard it. Yeah, this great '60s movie called Pretty Poison. Hmm. Oh, she's in. She's got a cool career. So this wasn't like her being a teeny bopper and then doing a dramatic role out of nowhere. She'd no. done dramatic work. Yeah, she'd done a lot of dramatic work. Yeah, her, she was uh, like she'd been uh, nominated for an Oscar for a very mm, sexually heavy movie for the '70s, Looking for Mr. Goodbar. So she was a. Uh, oh, is that a? Yeah, I don't really know that movie. But. Well, it's because it's been out of circulation sure. for forty years. You can't unless you get your CED disc player out. I, always, uh, I can't think. I can't help but just think of like the candy bar or something. Yeah, yeah. the the late. Yeah, everybody's. Oh yeah, it's the uh, the Diane Keaton Willy Wonka sequel. That uh, exactly. Since, since the only thing that exists is a laser disc that costs fifty dollars on mm. eBay. So, uh, <laughs> but it's such a beautiful scene in this. These are troubled characters that are not that have not done necessarily heroic things, but you feel an instant bond and sympathy and realness. Right. At least I did. And I know it's it's the real it's the actual definition of like the anti hero to me. Like these are not he like you said, these are not heroic people who've overcome some burden. Yeah. They're criminals. Yes. The movie's called Thief. You know, it's <laughs> yeah. it's about criminal behavior. And yeah, the the, the way that uh James Kahn's character never like he maybe he wants to get clean he just mostly wants to get out of having to commit crimes he wants to do the crimes he's good at that don't kill anybody he wants the big payday and then he wants to get out and live comfortably with this lady the real life he wants the the (laughs) it's nobody that's it he just wants that nice quiet life for himself yeah to spend the rest of his time yeah you know he's he's not looking the guy who's he, we, he never has to save anyone, you know. Other I love than, a good make enough money to get out story. Yeah. Oh, definitely. I'm always gonna love that's that. That's a classic. Yeah. Give me one that more every job. Time. Yeah. This is give a, me a one more job yeah. story. And as we get deeper in, and we get more into these people's lives, and Khan starts getting what he gets proposed by a local crime boss to do an easy yes. job. Robert Prosky. Yeah. And gets that's where we get our him. mob boss, Robert Prosky. We've we accidentally did a Robert Prosky double feature on our big movie day mm-hmm. with him and Christine and him and Thief. I had no idea until you told me that this was his first role. Wherever man found him, wherever stage he saw him on, mm-hmm. cannot get a better casted presence than this. I love an against type mob boss, but we didn't know what Robert Prosky's type was here. That's true. We only knew it in hindsight. Comes off very friendly to begin with. He's the he's yeah. the chummy, uh, I take care of my people kind of a guy. It's a good it's a good and by uh, and by area guy. By I take care of my people, it means I can get you a human child. Yeah, I can get you a white one. We you you, were, know? you, you wanted to adopt? <laughs> well, they they turn they turn Conway at the adoption agency. So Prosky's like, I'll get you a kid. Would you you want a boy? Yeah. Well, I love so like. The Thank Cosmo you? comparison is James Kahn is his own boss. He works with Jim Belushi. Mm-hmm. Jim He's Belushi, the, uh, yeah, master of his own his domain. Tough skins and, and beetle boots <laughs> and um, thick cut sideburns. Oh yeah, great sunglasses on Belushi too. Great look. Great mm. look. Kahn's got some great good sunglasses. These sunglasses. Too. How these guys can make a a crew neck sweatshirt? So cool. <laughs> these tight jeans and crew neck sweatshirts. I'm just gonna start looking like Khan in this movie. 
That's what I want. It's not a bad look to go but with. Expensive. It's expensive. It's $800 suits over here. This ring, do you know what the cut of the diamond is on this ring? Tell me more, James. Like, I don't, I'm a thief. <laughs> I, that line read by him. I'm a thief. I've done time. Like That's it. That's it. I want that blurb shouted over the, the credits of the trailer, you know? Yeah. But the way this partnership advances, the way you get into his relationship with Robert Prosky, and how uh, it does seem like a you scratch my back, I scratch yours. Mm -hmm. You get the sense that it'll be eventually moving into the, no, 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 you work for me. There's always that put in place moment. But it doesn't happen until way late in the movie. And until then, you get to see what could be in a different movie a father-son kind of relationship developing, like a Donnie Brasco kind of thing mm-hmm. between Robert Prosky and James Kahn. Kahn is clearly a guy with no father figure. He is yeah. a, a lower Well, Willie Nelson, choice. the father figure, dies. Yes. So in Willie's it, he's, other he's definitely a man who is kind of without this. He Yeah, he yeah. definitely has this moment after Willie Nelson dies of just feeling lost. Mm-hmm. Prosky's, Prosky's a... there to feed off of that. He knows that. Mm-hmm. He's taking advantage of that. And yeah, for all the for all the niceties that Prosky puts on, I you know you could tell, of course, behind the you mask, knew it was gonna flip. He's a bad man, and you knew that because he hangs out with the best crime faces in Chicago. Mm-hmm. This is where <laughs> we get some of our real meat and potatoes, bad mustache, bad hairlines, bad belt lines kind of looks. There's so many different guys who I've seen in other stuff that, what, the the guy he goes to shake down in an office when his money gets uh, routed through Prosky without him wanting it routed through Prosky. These guys just flesh out a scene. Well, I guess it's time to say Dennis Farina's screen debut. Yeah. This is his screen as, debut? As a henchman. Oh. So, he so was this, con- is, this is the movie, the famous story that Dennis Farina was a cop right. in Chicago. Right. Uh, I think he was either driving Michael Mann around or mm. obviously Mann saw him. And the guy who plays the other uh, henchman, Nick Nickius. Nick Nickius. <laughs> also a cop. Like maybe even Farina's partner. Farina's got too good of a life. look to be a cop. Oh, the mustache. The, the, the acting world needed him way more than the, we needed a cop. I don't think he has a line of dialogue in this movie, but yeah, he's a, he's a presence. <laughs> he's got the shotgun. He's a presence. It's the it's one of those great like Arnold Schwarzenegger background thugs in hundred percent. You know, like ah, oh, that's just the most distracting background thug ever. And long goodbye. Mm-hmm. It's like just Dennis Farina looking like Al Lettieri. In the background, he's got this. <laughs> Look big, it up, kids. <laughs> <laughs> this big dark fro yes. and this big bushy mustache. This he, is before he had gone gray. He looks like this hulked out Gene Shallot. He <laughs> does. I know he's a, he looks big in this. movie. He looks way bigger than anybody. Totally. That's when that's when the real James Con height is uh, revealed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when Dennis Farina looks like the Incredible Hulk coming in the background of a scene. But yeah, and then there, yeah, Farina was really one of those like uh, Arlie Ermy situations, you mm-hmm. know, where uh, well, Arlie Ermy basically played the role. Farina has to be a cop playing a henchman, which is fun. True, these flips the flips it on him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And the guy that plays the cop, I, I wanted to tell oh, you. Oh, because yeah, because cops are also on the trail of Prosky and James Kahn this whole yes. time. Yes, and there's a particular cop, Urizi. 
who follows him. Who I know the guy. The guy goes, with the really the worst tied necktie. He, kinda, he in, goes, uh, "Hey, we we're here to smooth out the humps and the bumps. You know, <laughs> help you out. Relationship." So yeah. that guy is everybody's John. trying to wet their beak. Yes, he, uh, that's John Satucci. John Satucci. All right. Uh, he was a former thief. <gasps> who oh. supplied. All the tools that you see, like at least in the no. opening scene, and who was basically the technical advisor on the movie. Oh my god! And I had then, no idea that guy was a. And then man made him, uh, yeah, put him in the role of the cop. I had no clue that guy's. The casting is so good, and with people, maybe it's distracting just because there are people like Farina in the movie, and you already get the sense that they're casting former cops as mm-hmm. you're getting that realism. That guy seemed like such the sl- the slime ball detective. I never even considered that he was the... I'm a big fan of technical advisor into acting gig roles. Totally. Like, give me Ricky Jay in stuff. Like, where magic is being done. Like, yeah, I want Ricky Jay in a con man movie, also doing cool Ricky Jay cons. Fuck yeah. You know, that stuff is cool. I love... You know, we talk about our our favorite drivers. You know, the, the famous ones, Hal Needham and those guys, when they show up doing the guy from the seven ups. roles. Yeah. yeah, yeah. When they show up in roles in stuff that they're also doing the car stunts in. The guy that drove in the seven ups, the guy, you know, yes. the guys, him acting in the movie, it's like, damn, how are they also good character actors? Not just <laughs> sick ass stuntmen. And so knowing that guy's an actual, wow. Like, uh, yeah, had done time, wow. was paroled. Amazing. It's and, like yeah. uh, Eddie Bunker in. Uh, Reservoir Dogs. And apparently, you know? uh, yeah, his character kind of inspired uh, the, the thief character in the movie. But obviously, James Caan not, did not play him as... Cause I very think, different I think that's, vibes from those Santucci, two men. Santucci's very, like, uh, boisterous vibe. I think that was just his personality <laughs> I mean, across. well, think about it. That's why it never crossed my mind that this could be a non-actor. He gets to chew so much mm-hmm. scenery. He is the cop that is up James Conn's ass and just eaten up every bit of the screen when he's on. So for them to just be like, oh, yeah, go nuts. Yeah. Just go as hammy with it as you want because he is just, you motherfucker, you know, like getting oh. these great flip outs. And maybe one of my favorite scenes is the interrogation oh, when yeah, they when... pick up Conn to see what his big job is. And they're trying one more time. To kind of beat him out, uh, you know, beat out this cooperation. There, he's in the position of being able to give up. The more he does jobs with Prosky, and it's supposed to be a three and out deal, the more that they, uh, you know, they want him to be able to bring down Prosky, and Khan does not want to help them at all. No. Obviously, he's his own guy still. Yeah, so he's so there shaking he's him not down work with to, them to at all. Try and reason with him while also hitting him. There's yeah. a lot of good cop, bad cop. Well, with yeah, like then eight the, cops. Then like the main, yeah, then like another cop you've never this seen the, comes in. The is most like, gives Chicago him a men in the smallest room you've ever seen. They're all shoved behind a table. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like seven dudes looming over Khan, and the one guy's yeah, just giving him the riot act. And Khan's just like, "Did you ever think about doing your own work?" <laughs> and the, and the guy just immediately just like, "Okay, fuck this guy." <laughs> One of my favorite well, that, fuck this guys the, in movie history. It's this tiny little interrogation room. There's so many meaty guys in there. It, Khan probably benefited 
beating wise because you can only get so much wind up when you're yeah. el- when you're asked to elbow. It with, was awkward. With all these other guys, they're like trying to. You're throw like wiggling like a, your leg to kind of get a boot yeah, kind of into him. They're trying to like hit him with a garbage can. And it's like there's not really any room to get any kind of you can't leverage. Get any, yeah, you're just kind of shoving it into him. <laughs> like it's a tight squeeze. Kind of pushing in this room. it against. Yeah, you're him. shoving him in the chest with a can, <laughs> and. Uh, when they finally get to the good cop, when they're just like, all right, we're not beating anything out of this guy. He's he's obviously being a real brat with us right now. Oh, he's a stiff prick. I love the, yeah. I love our good cop. It's probably, I think it's his only lines in the movie. Mm-hmm. But he gets this great, like, you know, I'm trying to help you, but you got to be a goof. <laughs> just, yeah. Just, you got to be a, you're just goofing around here, huh? <laughs> just like, you know, and... If it wasn't for our situation, I'd probably like you. <laughs> We'd probably go to the track. And Khan just isn't having it. Still. And the guy, mm-hmm. You get the sense that these guys are now getting worn down. That they're like, look, we get it. Yeah. You're cool. They're, like, well, the they cops got, are trying they, to be they like. They got nothing on them. We they can't thing. do anything. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I love Khan being like calling them out on wetting their beak, basically. Like, maybe you guys think of your own score, huh? And just like, okay, fuck this guy. <laughs> when they're finally like, nope, perfect, he can't be reasoned with. Yeah, such a perfect. Okay, fuck this guy. Yeah, maybe the perfect. best, the best use of of an f bomb in a film. This reasonable <laughs> turn. Of, okay, fuck this guy. It's up there. But the, that same scene, a lot of good swearing. That, the, our our uh, our heist cop gets his teeth clenched, like you motherfucker, when he has to be held back when Con is still just rubbing it in and dissing mm-hmm. this guy. Beautiful. What a scene. <laughs> but. Khan keeps getting in, whether he wants to say that he's his own man or not. He is getting helped in ways by Robert Prosky that will indebt you to a man. There's this ugly scene at an adoption agency with Khan and Tuesday Weld, where Khan uses that same routine that he used on her in Mm -hmm. the car on a basically government official. And it doesn't work quite the same. It tends to look, it's this great uh, parallel view of him talking to his people and him in normal society and right. how much of a square peg he is just with most human beings. Right. There's a reason he wants out of society. He does not fit into society anymore. And it's, I could not have think of a better running order of events in this movie. Con, uh, Michael Mann just knew this story. He knew the motions you he wanted to drag you through. And this, yeah, he takes a lot of time setting up just the the family coming together. Yeah, they get they get a baby from a from, random Robert lady. Robert gets him a baby, uh, but they love the baby and they're happy. And, it, and as we find out, they from, become this from kind of family unit. A good baby. Ah, good baby. Good baby. Yeah, good baby. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that's a weird thing to say to a couple with a baby. I've never thought to say that, guy. Who are you? <laughs> never crossed my mind to tell somebody, oh, yeah, good baby. That'd be one of those things where it's it's a waiter at a Chinese restaurant. Yeah, that would be the thing where he walks away and I go like, does that guy just say good baby? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's not what people say. That's weird. So anytime, if, I, if there was a guy who I was doing a couple of crimes for, and then that guy made a baby appear, <laughs> like overnight... Mm. I gotta say, if if I'm still telling myself that I'm yeah. my own boss at that point, ooh boy, there's a yeah, there's a moment where they st- have the confrontation and and Prosky's like, "Where is gratitude?" 
Yeah. And I kind of agree. <laughs> yeah. I have to say, Khan really doesn't. It's one of those where he's like, I got you a baby. There's, there should have been a, a moment where Khan's like, Khan's like, oh, yeah, right. Yeah, the baby. Oh, yeah. the baby. Right. That's right. right. That's a good baby. But the baby and this beautiful Chicago suburbs mansion, uh, this gorgeous windowed home that you know is good just by Jim Belushi's reaction to this home. Oh, yeah. Every character in this movie re- relates so well to each other, and they all have their own little bits. Mm-hmm. But the tones of this movie, like Jim Belushi pulling up for the first time when Prosky gets James Kahn and the uh, new mother their house he goes comes out of the car it's like a full dan Aykroyd bit here that's that chicago comic thing you know his older brother all that yeah who lives here ah come on no seriously who lives here <laughs> right i gotta gotta be some kind of millionaire guy lives here like millionaire guy uh-huh. I pink love trees you. pink I, look at this this pink tree look at this bush love it god i love it it's kind of funny this is uh like i said this is a great scorsese movie Imagine any Scorsese guy oh, totally. doing that line. Holy shit. That's a classic Perfect. Goodfellas get-together right there. Right? That is a thing you show up and say in a Scorsese movie. Mm-hmm. And I've never heard it sound funnier. I love it. It's the best Scorsese. It's so perfect. But I love character actor Belushi. I love it. I love the use of him. I love... Uh, we'll do Salvador eventually, which is like him and James Conn. Yeah, uh, him and uh, James Woods. James Sorry. Woods, yeah, yeah, yeah. All the James. All the James. really good with the Jameses. We'll do our, yeah, Jim and James. But, man, he it's really this fun look at what might have been. You know, this was a couple <laughs> years before SNL. It'd be weird if Adam Sandler had done, like, an Uncut Gems two years before SNL. <laughs> you know? It's cool right. after. This would be like but... Chris Elliott showing up in a Michael Mann movie before. <laughs> he might have. Manhunter. Chris Elliott is, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Manhunter and uh, Abyss. Yeah. All these distracting but, Chris uh... Elliott. Yeah, he, he's basically that guy. But it didn't have to be that way. It didn't have to be weird that James Belushi's in Thief. Mm-hmm. Would have been cool to see that other career. I'm glad he made his millions. Seems like a cool guy. But he's damn. like a he's like a weed farmer or yeah. something now. He just lives in paradise. The he good farms life. weed, man. <laughs> Hats off to you. <laughs> Way to go, man. You got an ABC sitcom and you're like, well, time to just get baked for the next 30 years. It's am- if I get gigs. Cool. That's amazing how much money people get for those TV shows. Yeah. But look at uh, like a, that's that's these people. How did this movie capture so many people with those vibes? Mm-hmm. Tuesday Weld got out of acting while she was in her 40s. She made money. She did good. She's she's worked since she was, you know, eight. She had one of those Drew Barrymore lifestyles, you know, the alcoholic at 10, that kind of thing. And you got the sense that she was used the way her character was used in Thief. I don't know how he got all these real people <laughs> who had such different careers yet such similar vibes, but my God, it's perfect. And the deeper he gets in with Prosky, it builds if... If Khan says his favorite scene he's ever done in a movie is his diner scene with Tuesday Weld, Robert Prosky's favorite scene in his career yeah. has to be his full reveal. Mm. When, he real- when we reveal how deep he- Khan is into this guy. Well, Khan... And yeah, kind of understandably. Somewhere in the middle of this movie, too, there is a heist. 
Khan does well, yeah. does well, play out jobs, the thief. Yeah, yeah. for uh, for Prosky. So the big job is yeah they break into this place like in L.A. or something. They have to go yeah down. they go out to Malibu. Yeah, and, great Malibu uh, stuff. Great twenty minute scene of them just burning into a safe. Oh, man, sparks flying everywhere. We get great no sparks. music. Great just sparks. In this spark movie. sounds for like ten minutes. Yeah, man. Then this is like a wasp video for ten minutes of this movie. Then yeah they get into the safe. They get all the diamonds. Khan has a cigarette. The music comes up and eric maybe my favorite oh my favorite music cue of the whole movie the cue is great is the beach cue god the celebratory beat a video game i'm getting chills thinking and, about it and then it just pans up with a shirtless james con walking <laughs> on the beach and you jim belushi you- coming out of the ocean like a man whale it's such a, like I said earlier, how much I love. We'll have to get some Tangerine Dream oh, closing so out good. this episode. We'll have to get that cue. I'll see if I can. Because it also, I'll see if I can. cue hits with the carpenter noise, that mm-hmm. And then it goes into that uh, exultant guitar, that perfect pitch. But before that, you get this cool heist. I You also get some great uh, montages of them figuring out how to crack this safe. Oh, yeah, like we said, you got to build through all spe- the steps. You get the him crafting special thief tools. Him yeah. going to like a factory out in the middle of the, you know, industrial right. area of Chicago to He's got to get craft some, special safe tools. Something that He's burns. got a guy. Yeah. He's got an old man guy who's like, oh, "I can craft you something in a week." It's like, "Damn, he knows." The old man's got the the little measurement thing that he's doing on the oh, paper yeah. like, "Okay, well, 2 millimeter on the paper means it's 8 feet." Or yeah. something, me, I don't know, but Give me like an old doing. guy that knows how to like just arbitrarily stick a, a ruler <laughs> at odd angles against something. If there's an object and they're just like holding uh, there's an inch and an eighth there and then let me just change these calipers to this right. arbitrary edge of a rock like and what is this guy like, seeing? He's like I could do it. Yeah. I could do it. I love it. Give me that. Yeah. Give me all of that. And so the build up to the heist, I love a good heist. Love guys sweating while they're working through the and that con light. But there's never any like uh it's different than, you know, all right. We have 12 minutes when the guard passes this way. They're just like in there, you know, having a cigar while but working it's, kind it's, of thing. It's and, also that what you just said made me think of uh I just listened back to a Cross 110th Street episode we yeah, did yeah. and how this the opening heist is the sloppiest Ooh, thing. No so, precision at all there. It's, it's nice to see professionals right. doing a professional right. job we, sometimes. <laughs> it is it's nice. nice to see a plan come together and, instead exactly. of whatever happened in across 110. It's, it's interesting when, yeah, if the alarms went off and they had to hurry, that would have been interesting. But I like the... I like all ranges like, of he's, heists. He's a good thief. I like when like, heists... he is a good thief. I like when heists are well-planned and are executed. Mm-hmm. I like when heists are well-planned, but one thing goes wrong and they have <laughs> to adapt. And I love them when they just completely fall apart. Like in 110th or uh, Before the Devil Knows You're Dead. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Give me all range of, of success to fail in heists, and I am hooked for two hours. <laughs> I love it. And if it's good and amazing like Thief, that's just better. <laughs> that just means my time right. is better spent. So then in Heat, he's like, well, what if they had to shoot their way out? Like, yeah. Let's make all it right, interesting well, we good this one, way. Where it went to shit due to circumstances out of their control. Let's uh-huh. see. And yeah, he has he lights up that cigar. Heist well done. He knows they're in the clear. We get the guy with the big chin back. He gets a ticket out to Malibu. And then that tangerine dream comes up and we get that coastline. We've seen our Chicago coastline shot early. 
we get that lifting up same shot of the California Malibu coastline. James Kahn wearing a cool uh, sweater that you realize is just oh, his body hair. Yeah, that was just his, his hair. Yeah. That's, his, that's nature's like a, sweater. I thought it was like one of those tan mohair sweaters that were popular from there. I mean, maybe that's why everyone... Again, that's another thing that leads to them seem seem older. (laughs) Because you're not going to see Chris Hemsworth with a hairy chest. (laughs) Well, naturally, maybe it exists. You might see hairy chest. You don't see hairy shoulders, hairy back, and hairy uh, arms. Just just finished watching Mad Men again. And seeing Don Draper hairy chested without a shirt, it's like, whoa, whoa. Not used to that. Yeah. Didn't expect actual hair on the chest. You know, you had Magnum P.I. during this era. But this is like, this rivals like Robin Williams. Was, hair yeah this is that a, furry shoulder this is hair. a coat and he's wearing it man and then right after that you get that 27 push and 42 bod of belushi coming out of the ocean like bo derrick just just shaking water how, off like yeah. a large sheepdog <laughs> and just slicking his what a thick head of hair on belush yeah. that dark thick hair parted <laughs> with that scott bale part head. down the middle kind of thing Oh, man. Gotta get in there, buddy. It's great. (laughs) Khan's just walking around in jeans with, like, his lift boots at the beach. And then... (laughs) Belushi runs and tackles his girlfriend. This is one of the great on-screen hits. Of a, this is a highlight reel hit right here. There's we've we've covered <laughs> one or two movies where there's been a fun like beach scene. The one I'm thinking of is Last of the Finest, where they're all on the beach at dawn. Yeah, oh great, and they like great, throw each other into the water. This is some great men in pants in the ocean scene. But you you know it's movies. one of those things where if you're a crime movie and you've got a celebratory beach scene, you know things are about to get bad. I love Belushi in the scene because uh, Tuesday Weld's out there with their baby. Um, Belushi's girlfriend's got like kind of a tank top and shorts. Khan's wearing his khakis mm-hmm. and uh, his his tight khakis pulled up to his belly button, but looking like he's walking with a, a back brace. He's still so rigid. S- yeah, still s- walking like he's got lifts on with no no so footing at least he on commi- the beach. He's at least still he committed. just this rigidly <laughs> built man. And I love that Belushi packed trunks mm-hmm. for the trip. <laughs> oh yeah, like we're going out to the heist, and he's like. So we're going to be near the beach? Oh, I'm bringing a suit. He gets a great like Hawaiian shirt look earlier. Oh, the Hawaiian shirt when they're going over the, the plans yeah. for the heist and they're dealing with Prosky. And Prosky is getting like, man, this guy is really good at his gig. This guy does know what he's doing. And I like that. And, and Belushi's standing there in black jeans and this perfect <laughs> Magnum P.I. Hawaiian. Yes. Oh, what a look. What a, what a beautiful look on film. But Belushi is the meathead. This is a specific kind of meathead that loves nothing more than throwing women in a body of water. <laughs> Just tackling his Everybody his has like a friend wife, who whatever. was, yeah. when we would do a school beach day or what, you know, with some friends, there was always the guy that's like, hey, this girl doesn't want to get in the water. She's going in the lake. Mm-hmm. And Belushi does, the thing about this though is he warns his girlfriend from like 50 paces. She he's knows. Like, he's she's, like, she's Gloria, playing a lot. hey, and then just starts running towards her like she's got the ball. And she's like at about fifteen feet away, starts to do the like the girl like oh shit no 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 he's like <laughs> he's not messing around. Belushi hits her uh, with like t- a takes shock block out. to the back of the legs, man. It's insane. <laughs> he could he could have done some damage. There. You hear actors 
like uh, Ellen Burstyn getting a lifelong back injury on The Exorcist, you know? Right. Things like when she's getting shot off a of bed. I can just picture this woman being like, yeah, no, got a torn ACL and a ruptured Achilles from when Belushi just tackled me face first into water. He was supposed to just kind of grab me by the waist yeah, and lift me up. Yeah, you her up like you're King Kong and swing. He, and- like, it looks like he maybe accidentally lost his footing and it was just like, oh, here we go. And then just <laughs> barrel rolled into it's her. Like one, yeah, it looks like he trips and just goes barrel like the back of her knees it's one step removed from, from Les- leslie nielsen just clotheslining a couple in the naked gun sure <laughs> it's like almost him just like just backyard wrestling her into the ocean <laughs> this is our moment of levity for the movie this is our happy ending right before they have to go back and you know collect their money this is like as happy as it gets from here on out because our final 25-minute push is some of the heaviest, darkest, like, how is this not just peak cinema mm-hmm. in crime movie history? Yeah. Like, Prosky is like, you're not getting out of this. You pulled off a super successful job for me. We moved a lot of ice. <laughs> I'm not letting you go at this. Like, so you were... James Caan... Yeah, you can't leave. Not only in his acting, in his thievery, he made the decision to be too good. Mm-hmm. He was too good, and now he's trapped. And now's when all of uh, Robert Prosky's paper comes due. That's when he puts in all his markers, and it is one of the scariest scenes in movie history. When Khan does not want, Khan is getting underpaid by Prosky already. Prosky's involving in business that he does not want to be involved in. He does not want to become partners with this guy. Right. He wants his take, and then he's done. He wants his money, and he wants to leave. And it's not that simple. It's never that simple. No, no. Come it's on. It's never that easy. That's the one thing, yeah. As a thief, he should have seen this coming, I feel like. Yeah. You always got to expect a double cross. Yeah. This is a guy that made it through prison expecting a double cross. And Prosky, when he reveals how exactly he knows James Conn's number, it is so scary. The way he says, look, I know your type. Once he reveals him as a type... That he's revealed that he's worked up and chewed up guys like him before. That's when he re- that's scary. Well, yeah. So what happens? Belushi happened, gets. I was cool. gonna say, is, is is this the talk where Belushi's already been blown away? Yeah. Yeah. This is right after because right when they get back from Malibu to settle this score, that's when Prosky underpays Khan from the amount that he. Yep. No, no, no. You let me handle your money. I got it tied up in some things. You'll double your money. You know that kind of. Con wants cash in hand. Yeah, he wants what was promised COD. to him right now. Yeah. And I get it, but I also, you know. <laughs> Again, These it are is bad people with that are all making good points. It is one of those, yeah, where so Prosky is basically like getting Con in on like real estate development. Yeah. And like you could, you like you could go be, with this. You, you could, could make some serious money million, here. You're already doing crimes, right? This is the and Prosky makes a good. Whereas you get to, but see, he doesn't want to be. That's the thing. He just he doesn't want to be tied up with anyone. Well, he, here's he this, doesn't want to be anyone. You know, here's this beautiful thing about the movie that really talked to me, seeing it on the big screen and just soaking it in, mm-hmm. is how terrible James Con's proposal is to tuesday well <laughs> terrible proposal not giving her like he's giving her basically a what else are you gonna get right, right? Eh, this is it and she's like may yeah maybe just a bad proposal but he is wanting to partner up this guy that he wants nothing to do with 
Robert Prosky's proposals are nothing but sensible. Exactly. Logical. Very difficult to turn down. And he wants no part of this. Right. This is not the life he wants. He wants his own separate, worse, but his own crime life. He's, again, he's the anti-hero. Like, yeah. You're, it's... It's Prosky almost one of those where, like, I'm, I'm rooting for him, but... But, man. He is going the difficult route with you're already every doing decision. This. He can't, he doesn't get along with the cops. He doesn't get along with this mob boss. You know, he's already put a gun in basically everyone's face who he comes across. I can expect a guy with pride. I get it. Yeah. Pride can make you do some stupid things. And some of my favorite movies are about guys who get in too deep because of pride. Mm-hmm. And, oh, man. When it is painful, when you know he could be just... The whole movie is, man, save yourself some trouble. Save yourself some trouble. His whole life has been, save yourself some trouble. Would it have been easier in prison if he had just not, you know, been pushed around? You know, probably. He ended up suffering some pretty terrible indignities anyway. But he didn't let himself down for whatever standard he set for himself. Mm-hmm. And that's all that matters to him. And it, when it... When we realize how deep it is and how they are not going to let him leave their heist gang, he is going to continue working for him until he is a dried up husk. Mm-hmm. Or dead or in jail. Yeah, exactly. Well, you and, know, and the, uh, t- sorry, the interesting no. thing that comes up with that idea is that his whole speech to Tuesday Weld is about how he is, he had to give himself this mind frame of not giving a fuck. Yeah. Well, now he's got a, a wife, a house, a kid businesses yeah all these things that you have to give a fuck about now yeah you've been uh, and all of a sudden he got tricked into uh caring about yeah things so again. it's like uh yeah he he tried to make this difficult move to this normalcy of giving a fuck about things <laughs> and now robert prosky's like that's not gonna work yeah uh because i'm gonna use everything you care about against you or i'm gonna destroy it yeah and then james Kahn basically goes kaiser soze yeah he says, oh, you think you're going to destroy my shit? No, 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 no. I'll destroy my <laughs> no, no, shit. No, no, no. I got used to living as someone who didn't care, but... He goes, yeah, he's just like, okay, well, now I'm back to not giving a yeah. fuck. Well, I gave it a shot. Which I love. I tried to care. Yeah, but he gets intimidated, get... and then he just goes, okay, well, I'm... Fuck this. Again. He's already that... losing things when there's going to be the double cross mm-hmm. and Belushi yeah, has his been friends already gone. beaten up by Prosky's guys. Khan arrives at his beautiful nighttime car dealership. Real quick aside. <laughs> Forgot to mention an early James Khan walking cool scene when he's the first time we see him his parking lot. And this has, if anything is improv, it is James Khan making up employees off screen yes. at his car lot to yell at. Oh my God! It's like, hey, can we move this uh, Mach Four up to the lights? <laughs> hey, Tony, this guy right here. I already told you, get this guy. Love that. Hey, oh, like he's just walking towards the camera, motioning to people that don't exist. So many moments of that reality mm-hmm. thrown in like that. Yeah. And so, anyway, <laughs> yeah. Belushi, tr- he shows up. It makes up you his wonder lot. though why this car light is not open at night because oh, it's yeah. gorgeous. Gor- I've, I am not a cars guy. I've never been more in love with how cars look uh, than his parking lot well, at I, night. I am a string light bulb guy now because <laughs> yeah. of that. The, the, the way they've got it set up is just like, man, you should be holding weddings there. Oh, yeah. It looks nice. Right? <laughs> These it's got the neon look- sign. Uh, we, oh, man, yeah. And the we, way the camera moves around this car lot. and just We've talked before about beautiful. how much we love 
like how Christine looks on mm-hmm. film. Wow. You know, what a gorgeous car. His parking lot's got like 50 Christines, different caddies, different Buicks, right. all these I'll, great But like old. 70s cars should be ugly. They They're should, big, bulky, yeah. brown things. And yeah, mm-hmm. they look, a lot of ugly browns and cool blues. But thief. with this lighting, this bulb lighting, and the way uh, Donald Thorin and Michael Mann shot this, wow. Mm-hmm. And so he's walking into a setup. Belushi gives him a shot, warns him, eats one of the more gruesome shotgun deaths. The, so, I would love squibs. to see who did the squib work for Belushi flying into the van. Yeah. Oh my god. There's some there's some body parts. <laughs> he gets come off separated. Yeah. And talk about a Scorsese vibe. This guy he, mm-hmm. what a great death. There's some few great gun deaths in this movie. Uh but, but the Belushi one was really like, okay, this is where we're starting. This is what's happening. And what a violent, sad death. And then we lead into proxy telling James Conn how it is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Pretty much letting him know where he stands while his dead buddy is dripping blood up, you know, hung upside down in some factory. Some acid bath warehouse. Frosty is one of these guys that just has property Mm -hmm. and places to do crimes. (laughs) That's, that's, you know, guys deep when he just has his set crime warehouse. Welcome, welcome to my crime lab. Yeah. It is this really like, there's. There are literal acid baths around. He's suddenly this Chicago Batman villain. I mean, I assume they're acid baths because they dump Belushi in it. I, yeah, I didn't. I don't they're think they're just boiling him. him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> tenderizing him a bit. Maybe. Uh, maybe it's that bad. But gosh, the we don't need to get in the details of all what Prosky says to him. But this is the kind of thing that defines an actor's reel. This is a scene that most actors would dream of doing on film as tough and scary and bad as it is when he is laying James Conn's life and how much of it is owned by him mm-hmm. now really letting him know where he ranks man and that's got to be difficult because again yeah Robert Prosky's not the most intimidating looking guy you wouldn't think just from first glance mm-hmm. and he's been friendly and reasonable throughout the movie in even in even being like, okay, I got it, I got it. When James Conn's like complaining about things, the scene where he gets, but where he then casually to, tells Conn he's getting him a baby, yeah, very is this great father son, almost brotherly moment, and, and to be able to turn it around and then be intimidating like that, mm-hmm. it's uh, we, we talk about the movies that this has inspired, the things that got lifted either by man or or others. You look at Drive. And the the against casting of Albert oh, Brooks. totally, yes. In the same kind of role. Oh, man. This is a total Albert Brooks situation <laughs> yeah. here. 100%. And, I mean, Albert Brooks is uh, is uh, more of a handsome man than, than Robert Prosky in oh, but, this movie. But an but older, same, like, a non, nondescript kind of bad guy. established man. Who, yeah, yeah, yeah. When that kind of bad guy shows up, you don't know what to make of him. You don't know what this guy is because you haven't seen him play this bad guy mm-hmm. a ton. And Prosky so far has been reading pretty good, even though you know he's a guy involved in bad things. He still plays as he is helping Khan in a lot of ways. He is getting him things that James Khan wants and has shown that he cannot get on his own. That adoption meeting did not go well. He got <laughs> exactly. That's his, what I mean. Like the, the his the, file got flagged. The, I think after there, that appearance. I think there is a point to to Robert Prosky's asking for gratitude. Yeah, I think it's a legit like. Maybe a card. Maybe a send card. <laughs> Thanks for the baby. Yeah, good baby. I mean, I was happy to. Yeah, I was happy to get you a good baby. 
That guy said good baby. He wasn't lying. But then when he's threatening him and he says, you know, you have that kid on retainer. Yeah. You're renting him. You're renting him. (laughs) I own the lease. You are merely renting him. Wow. Oof. That, if that doesn't, I mean, within uh, 10 seconds of him telling you that he will prostitute your wife and uh, Take back basically baby. burn your kid. Oh, yeah, all right. Well, this is it then. Are, am I the guy that doesn't give a fuck or am I a guy who wants to live this life still? Right. And do what it takes under somebody else. Right. And, and this is another, yeah, like I said, James Conn then, his reaction though is what Michael Mann then would make Heat all about, mm-hmm. is the idea of can you walk away yep. from everything if you have to. And that's exactly how this movie ends, is James Conn, without having to say as much, making that decision, kicks Tuesday Wild out of the house, yeah, basically tough. forces her to leave with his with the baby and the, 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 the friend, uh, the yeah. police scanner uh, accomplice, and like, don't even tell me where you're yeah, going. Yeah, that, that guy gets a cool... Uh, Cool yeah. gig at the end. I don't know who he is. Obviously a man that can be trusted, though. He's a yeah. good guy. Like, maybe like, the last guy. Yeah. Good guy. That Khan can trust. Sending them away. And then, I did not expect explosions to be a part of this plan. Yeah. Michael Mann does not shy away from blowing some stuff up at the I end I mean, this here. is a nobody situation. This is a guy involved mm-hmm. in a lifestyle that he wanted out of, and he lived suburbia for as long as he could. And then it didn't last, and he had things rigged to erase. Mm-hmm. Again, just yeah, very Kaiser Soze, yeah. very much like Heat. Uh, that yeah, I and, love it. Geez, the the look of his exploding house at night. Once you realize when Khan gets laid out, honestly, the deal doesn't sound terrible. The heist, you know, again, it's you're like a good if, thief, and this guy will protect you as long he, as you work with yeah, him. Yeah, if he had just gone along with everything, you wonder how things could have been different. And immediately, how he's like. That's how it is? Well, okay, everything must go. Wow, how quickly he snaps back into like, well, I tried it, it didn't work, this was my path all along, okay. He thought he had this life, you know, and uh, yeah, it, he physically he has a... burns it down. He physically has like a postcard collage that he thinks of as his life, crumples it crumples up. Crumples that up, yeah. That's burns a little, that's a little on the nose. That's a, yeah, that's a lot. <laughs> that was much. That's the one thing. Whatever. The guy earned it. The guy earned to crumple up his Oakla car. Blows up his house. Blows up his bar. Yeah, blows up his car lot. Blows up the... Yeah, sets fire to all the cars in the car lot. Mm-hmm. And then uh, goes and gets his revenge. The guy is erasing himself. The guy's like, okay, I was trying to live on the fringes of society. Clearly, I cannot live any longer in society. I tried it. Hated it. Yep. Nope. That's what happens when I try to work with someone? Okay. Well, at, yeah. It's full at, on, like, yeah. everything's over. I don't care. At that point, when Prosky threatens him, he knows he's... His only mission at that point is kill everybody. Yep. Just, you know. That's... Because he'll he never stop gonna being He's not going to go back threat. under that thumb yeah. ever again. And he is a man who's lived his whole life not wanting to be owned by someone and realizes how owned he is. Yeah. And immediately takes uh, takes that into his own hands, not caring what the result is. Love the final final shoot final shootout. Uh, how do you think it compares to? I because I I feel like I like it better than the Manhunter, like in a Gata de Vida. Yeah, fight. for a movie with a a big uh, score over it, uh, I I do love the final. Manhunter hits me in the same vibe as you know, not a Michael Mann movie, but the same series as the Silence of the Lambs final scene. With the night vision goggles, mm-hmm. it's Manhunter hits me more with that vibe. It's more of a terror vibe, 
uh, you're on the unfamiliar territory and you're being stalked by this animal. Right, right. It's more that. And this is, you know, different. <laughs> I just love the look of it, though. The feel, the music. It's the score feel. Inaga Vida is jarring. Yeah, yeah. You know, the final shootout in Heat is loud, noisy, chaotic, set out on a huge, open, busy L.A. street. Right, You right. know, it's just the biggest outside, most public version and of then their their kind of final fight isn't that like at an airport like or like near yeah like runways Run, and out, shit. out of the runways yeah, out of the yeah. field uh, around power transformers and stuff right you can but barely see this each other. has that that best of the scorsese stuff where you realize these guys are criminals who live in like they're not living on the outskirts in the in the hills in a 10 million dollar mansion they're living in a neighborhood got a big sopranos vibe at the end uh-huh. where yeah so prosky has a beautiful home but it's like his next door neighbor is probably a gynecologist, right? You know, he's, he's a he's, he's a mob boss, a suburb somewhere. All these things, but he is not presenting his crimes. He's being smart about it, mm-hmm. and that's the best thing about guys in casino that live in suburbia. And that's the guy who's deepest involved in all these old guy houses are nice homes, right? That you know, also other working families have. But yeah, his bodyguard is still there. Yeah, but also infiltrating this suburban house. It's, yeah. So I love the Tangerine Dream score. His dis, this, the track that plays for a score I love so much that we've talked about so often through the episode. I never mentioned that this is the non-horror score I listen to the most. Mm. It is incredible. Hearing it and on the big screen, amazing. With that theater sound, with the volume turned up loud, as big as Stop Making Sense for me. And when he's blowing up his house and his lot, that's the most. That's definitely the most kraut rock it gets too. Mm-hmm. The motoric drums hit in that, din, 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 din. <laughs> you know, and as he's just methodically going against wrecking everything. And I think uh, I I like the vibe more for of the final shootout in this. Feels more uh, next door, mm-hmm. something real happening in, in on your street kind of thing. The way uh, it feels less. Uh, produced more sloppy you know a guy that's able to go in and get the jump on somebody because there's only four guys in a suburban two level it's a cool vibe finally gets to pay back that skinny dennis franz hate that <laughs> look on that guy's face but i love his face i love his mustache and bad that guy's great i love the idea of being like the bodyguard to the main boss but like when you're hanging out at the house with them, you're, you're eating some pie, you're getting I, a glass of milk. I <laughs> like, would, if I was an actor like and pretty... I found out I was getting the henchman that goes to get food scene, <laughs> I would be so happy. I love the guy who's just like making a hoagie uh-huh. before he gets knifed or something. He's I love the guy just like, what am I drinking? Milk? milk? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what does he got in the fridge here? Uh, right before he just gets gunned. Just yeah, just gets slammed into with the fridge and then knocked out, pistol whipped. Yeah, and like, then you know Peter Jason's just like, can I do mouth trumpet? Yes, give me yeah. that getting some or- a bag of Oreos scene. Oh, oh god, I would yeah. love it. Con knocks that dude out in the kitchen, then sees the lady like watching TV in yet another room. Yeah, now you think that's is that supposed to be Prosky's wife? Yeah, I think she's the one who like has been expecting. She's been living the Tuesday Weld life now. Yeah, yeah, for yeah. twenty years. 
She's yeah. the tired housewife now who got a similar shitty proposal from Prosky 20 years ago. And she's been waiting 20 years now for when her husband's not going to come home. And she communicates all of that just by looking at James Caan and then looking back at the television. Yeah, she's in the, the den just watching her soaps. And it's like, okay, it's happening. I'm just going to pretend uh, I didn't see nothing. Yeah, yeah she's not getting in do. the way. She's living her own. She's uh, not going to not... take a bullet for Robert Prosky. Well, again, this movie is about early, prematurely aged people. Mm-hmm. She's someone that is living a life of luxury, but under terms that she didn't realize were going to be as deep as they were. Nobody really expects their husband probably to be involved in like human trafficking. Mm-hmm. I'm sure he didn't lay that on the table whenever they met. So she's she probably somebody... thought he was a real estate developer. Yeah, right. Yeah, oh, I own a couple of parking garages. He's got some businesses. Makes yeah. sense. He has that acid warehouse, and. <laughs> Oh, you're the acid guy. She is just like all these mob wives got to be. You're waiting for the day when you're when the, the feds are going to bust in. Mm-hmm. And this for her has been a lifelong fear that's finally like, okay, it's happened. She's been probably looking over her shoulder waiting for this to happen for who knows how long. So I like that just look. It's a great, great right. character scene. She probably also... With no lines. She probably, yeah, she probably also likes seeing the henchman get smacked in the head with a gun. Yeah, these like, guys... Finally, that asshole drinking all my milk. Up. Yeah, hey, right? <laughs> this guy using up all my good sandwich fixings. He's walking around with his belt unbuckled like, come on, man. Prosky's just reading the paper, wearing his shitty old guy sweater and high-waisted Sandbelt jeans. Like, he's just being anybody's grandpa. Yeah, I love that. And uh, he's just living his normal home life. And when yeah. he's not threatening men. <laughs> yeah, right? He's just, he also he's eats up and, on the and catches up on the yeah. day's events. But yeah, Khan just methodically picking these guys off. And when you see professionals looking slightly unprofessional, I like it. I like the shot of Robert Prosky hiding behind his you know, TV cabinet mm-hmm. in his ugly sweatsuit, like holding a pistol and looking just like a fat old man. Yep. You know, we saw him at his scariest. Now we're seeing him. But he still has that, like, he's not an idiot. He's he could got, get the drop. Know, yeah, yeah, yeah. He could get the drop. And we get some more great squib work with him. Uh, oh, man. Him getting torn up. Great death. Great elongated death for Prosky. With a... Also cool for an actor. If you're not going to be the uh, getting a sandwich guy, if you get the guy who gets to reach for his gun again, mm-hmm. that's cool. You get like two deaths. Yeah, he gets shot in the <laughs> chest twice, so he's like, ugh, ugh. He gets a lot of ugly old man squirming, and just a bunch yeah. of tongue out. Yeah, and then when he yeah he reaches for the gun, and then Khan just puts one right between the eyes with a... Woo! That's just, some splatter. It's just this insane like splits... Uh, yeah, they do like a cool frame. freeze from that. Felt super Manhunter, and uh, yeah, yeah, like breaking through the glass. That kind of totally. hitch in the step, you know. Yeah, and then I didn't know that after you got shot through the brain, you still were like, lah, 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 for well, he like was going off like some, more some electrodes firing yeah. through his body. There, it was really Ugh. a chicken with your head they cut really, off, yeah. shaken. They so Prosty got like two go different gurgling tongue out deaths, but also got a cool like. <laughs> Reaching for my gun and holding it with like up with a shaky hand. Oh man, mm-hmm. guy in the western dying with like a shaky hand, getting fired before he can fire. Yeah, yeah. And so Kant, and then we get a sloppy as hell gunfight outside, out on the yard. Our, yeah. our skinny Dennis Franz, who made a sandwich, doesn't die. Usually expect the guy to get shot like through his milk. 
or sandwich, right, right. and you know he gets to break his glass. Then he gets to do a funny run out the house while shooting just behind his, his I mean, back. His, his pants are unbuckled. Not a yeah, good time to he get was lounging. caught in a He was fight. on the couch yeah. a minute ago, and now he's, he's now holding he's his pants up it. as he's trying to get out the driveway. Great, great yeah. death. Uh, yeah, Dennis Farina and the other Nick Nickius <laughs> come out and. Uh, Farina, oh, just, lo- Farina looks king size in this. Farina comes out in like a huge uh, black overcoat with yeah. a shotgun. Yeah. Oh my god! With that hair, that bushy mustache coming cool over Farina the edge. Look. Yeah. And then cool he gets Farina a great look. like getting blown back effect. Oh, just like. Mm, mm. And that's it. I love it. We're out. Oh yeah, and then that's the end of the movie. That's it. James Con Con takes some shots. He's walking out. You see, he's got the bulletproof vest on, which makes a lot of sense. Just like Cosmo, man, and a, then, guy, a guy who ends his movie bleeding out of his uh, spleen. Well, very again, kind of yeah, again another western kind of walking off into the sunset, yeah. kind of walking tall, except yeah, walking off of the sunset, except and then it's always night. Do you wonder now that everyone's dead? Does he go try to find Tuesday Weld again? I've wondered always. So he. Uh, when he's kicking Tuesday Weld out, it is very much like a. It's not like he he doesn't come at her like you gotta go. It's not safe. He's yeah. like I am kicking you out. This is over. He is being... We are done. And it's almost like is he trying to convince himself? It's a that phenom- he doesn't want this. Nah. Is is he really? Is it for her safety? But he's got to convince her to hate him, kind of thing in that moment. I kind of read it as that. It's it's a defense mechanism that I think a lot of us experience at some point in childhood. Especially if you have a friend that moves, or if you're the friend that moves. Mm. If you have a good friend, and you're it's a guy, the kid you hang out with constantly, and you're moving, I've seen it before. You push I, him away. You when push they... him away. You start a fight about something like a week before you're going to move. Because hmm. you know, it's like you don't know, but you do know. You just can't process it yet. You're going to miss this person. It's, it's dealing with loss. Right, right. It's dealing with missing someone for the first time. It happens for us always, usually single digits. Whether it's a relative, friend, whatever, and I think it's that defense mechanism of getting coming up with something to distract yourself so you don't have to hurt, so you don't have mm-hmm. to feel this pain. I think he's both trying to make her hate him because he is realizing no, the best part for her, the best life for her, is not with me. I am not going to do this to her. So I think he is making her hate him, but I think he's also protecting himself now. I think he cares more. Than he's cared before. Yeah, I like wonder. I, said, I wonder if he goes to try to find her after the movie. I would ask. I, Michael I believe Mann. both ways. Could uh, go either I way. I have not seen Thief Two. Ooh, Electric the, Boogaloo. Yeah, I've not seen The Legend of Curly's Gold the, yet. Uh, well, it's uh, yeah. I was gonna say it's either Crocodile Dundee Two or yeah, <laughs> Thief Thief Two in L.A. Or yeah, you know, I like just when Michael Mann makes Thief Two, he makes Heat. Exactly. You know, I like that That's we got. I mean. that. It really is Thief Two yeah. in a lot of ways. And it's great for it. Yeah, it's it's more overblown. It's an hour longer, you know. It's it's bigger thief, and <laughs> I I I can see him going to Tuesday Weld. I can I can I can see him doing anything. I can see him being a drifter. I can see him go reverting back to that life. I can see him winding back up in jail. I can yeah. see him going out, you know, vanishing point style. Or yeah, just I can see disappearing and yeah, just he's lost. Never see him he's again. back to losing everything. Does he try and rebuild with what's familiar, or does he, you know, I can see it anyway, and I like that we just get him walking off. Yeah, He's his own boss again, but we don't know in what direction, and I like it. We get introduced and brought deep into this man's world in two hours, and at the end of these two hours, he has no world. Mm-hmm. 
So I don't know if it matters where he goes from there. It's it's kind of our projection that can take us there. I, I so. want him to go back with Tuesday Weld. There's some wrong things about them, but I think they got a chance. Part of me wants that. What worse could happen? Yeah. For them. Well, you know, when he, <laughs> yeah, he walks off, we get the guitar swing. You know, oh, swelling, tangerine just wee, wee, perfect, perfect, and it and uh, I think very purposefully cuts back to the title card, the thief, thief, yeah, you know, in the font, and I think he's going to continue to be a thief. Yeah, that that is pretty. That's telling. kind of the idea. Very, maybe very. Another thing that this might anger you, just like I saw <laughs> a lot of criticism for Tuesday Weld's performance. The next most per- criticism I saw was the Tangerine Dream score. Can you imagine? You know, I get how different it must have sounded at the I think, time. Yeah, I think it was just shocking. I, it's 1981. We're not really in the 80s that we know them as with, right. with synth music. It is an experimental score for a um, movie. Yeah. But it just fits. It feels... Oh, yeah. And maybe it's just because I was familiar with the music and we've seen that kind of thing more since. But, you know, it's the same thing with Manhunter. The music use in Manhunter was criticized by some. Whereas I think it's this crazy... I love these 80s hits that aren't quite hits i think it's a huge strength of the movie and this cool krautrock soaring guitar score just really made this feel like an epic journey mm-hmm. <laughs> i think it's such a powerful strength it's one of my favorite scores in cinema history well there's just so many things about this movie that are so memorable yeah the score james Kahn's performance this the is- heist scene uh prosky's performance the violent end yeah uh, there's so many things that stand out. And I don't think if you, if you don't have that score and you don't have these performances and all of this, you know, it doesn't, obviously it doesn't stand out. It's, these, these are I all the ingredients perfect. you need to make this movie, this, this unique, specific, excellent. Yeah. And, and as, as much as it's being appreciated now, even if it was appreciated at the time, you knew, you know, it's underrated just because this movie got no kind of awards, uh, Hmm. consideration which seems crazy when you look at the respected actors in hindsight that are involved in it you know when have you seen james con better and james con was a guy who got awards you know he was a an actor with nominations under his belt tuesday weld was an actress with nominations you know these were respected actors in a movie willie nelson had just gotten an oscar nomination a year before so how and then they're doing some of their finest work but this movie got fucking, you know, Razzie Awards. Right. What? It makes no sense. It'd be like criticizing Sean Young's performance in Blade Runner. Have you seen how something, amazing Sean Young's performance is in Blade Runner? Something was going on, in the, especially in the 80s, I feel like. Yeah. Uh, the time of the, like, celebrating violent independent movies is over from the 70s. And critics are criticizing the slasher movies and sure. trying to hold movies up to some new sort of standard that they think they have in their head. Yeah. Uh, maybe that has something to do with this. Maybe, you know, movies were just ahead of their time. I mean, well, as usual, the French John Carpenter movies get the same <laughs> treatment as far as, Oh yeah. At, in the time, not being appreciated now, obvious classics, obvious, like not even well, yeah. debated. Well, Michael Mann was, you know, either one or was up for, you know, a big award at con. For this movie. So okay. of course it's going to get... So the French look. Yeah, the, of course. They get it. And so of course it's going to be totally... Is it French? Is that, is that calm? Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I don't know. You know. Uh, he, he, the the Palme d'Or. Palme, Palme d'Or. He was nominated Whatever for the biggest prize of, of Cannes. 
and it's, it's cool. just and then of course the Razzie Awards like nope like come <laughs> on meet me yeah so I don't know why this was so hated uh because God I've never people are dumb there's few pictures I've looked at on the screen that are as beautiful as this one for me I love Thief I. It was. I cannot stress how big of a deal it was for me to see this in a in a nice movie theater for the first time. It's it's like a an, a movie dream come true, movie watchers dream come true. Nice. It was everything I wanted. I'm glad. I'm glad it lived up to the yeah. the mental. It was a hype. lot of hype. I I was really excited. We got lucky. Killing the Chinese bookie was the best I've ever seen it on the big screen. That was great. And same for Thief. I just can't be more into this movie. It's a classic masterpiece. Mm-hmm came to this it did go see this if you even listen to everything we said if you did not heed our warnings earlier to watch before listening go find it now go find it uh i'm sure you can find the soundtrack somewhere on youtube yeah that's the great thing all of this stuff is all readily available um yeah it, it is now it's now more visible than it's ever been yeah more audible than if, it's ever been if you said almost uh through two hours of us talking about it yeah give it some time yeah it's, it's worthy yeah. the score has been <laughs> repressed on vinyl it sounds incredible I'm Get sure everyone listening experience. loves the, we're, you know, we're... I'm preaching the choir. We're, well, I, yeah. We're, I'm not convincing anybody. This is people that know and love this movie. I hope so. And they should. It's, Please. I cannot wait until it's really, really talked about just as an automatic classic. And it's getting there. It's getting there. I'm Ch- Eric. I'm Charlie. Thank Thanks. you for listening, guys. Good night. Good night.